Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be a talk about the new artifact details in Destiny 2. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can click the link below. I'm probably live right now, so come on in and hang out with us. The link is provided in the information below this video or podcast episode. Appreciate you guys supporting the cast with hitting like, follow, subscribe, and all the things. The reason I wanted to do a video about the artifact details is because we've gotten a little bit more information from other interviews, and I kind of glossed over the artifact very quickly in another talk so i want to do an entire video just about the artifact these videos aren't very long they're always only you know 10 minutes and then we go into the q a so what do we know is the first section of this video what do we know about the artifact what's going on with it what's it adding to our character there's all sorts of different things coming out we still have questions that hopefully get answered this week in the TWAB about how seasons are changing that's like the next thing on the docket I'm recording this on August 21st so you may be watching this on my YouTube channel and being like Lono we already know about all this stuff cut me some slack I create so much content that it hits YouTube a little late later than it's relevant so sometimes these videos get recorded and then it hits YouTube a couple days later people run to the comments be like why the frick are you talking about this has already been resolved that's probably why I'm doing this live. So what do we know? Secondly, what's good about this? What's the good? What's the good news? What are we seeing that we like about this? What do I think is going to really add and change things? And then we're going to end with the unknown. We're going to end with things that we don't quite know yet. Again, by the time this hits YouTube, you may be like, you're an idiot, Lona. We already know all this stuff. But keep in mind, again, these get recorded live. So what do we know? Okay, the first thing we know is it actually has perks that are specific to activities in the game. It adds more than that, but right at first blush, some of the first things we saw in the Xbox main stage Gamescom reveal in the video was there are actual perks on this that are specific to activities in the game, as well as perks for finishers, grenade, melee, etc. So there's like there's like abilities that touch on everything, different things that you're doing. Some of the ones we saw was, you know, void grenades add a debuff, doing a finisher eats half your super but it gives the entire team heavy ammo so there's different things that apply more universally and then there are perks and things that only apply to a specific activity and what we saw was the activity would be the nightmare hunt we saw nightmare hunt modifiers for overload champions and shielded champions and then there were perks on the artifact specific for that and that's going to be something that I think is going to come in big with some of the theories that I might put out now the other thing it does is it adds power that is earned from XP and you can level it up infinitely now they did say in the interview where they said you can level this thing up infinitely that there's not going to be enough time in a day or season to do that to really really high heights like eventually more than likely you're going to get less XP or it's going to require way more XP so when, let's say you get into like the 30s and it's adding 30 power to your character more than likely it's really going to slow down in the mid to high 30s so if you want to get beyond 40 extra power level it's probably going to be almost impossible given they'll slow down XP payout and other things now I'm totally fine with that we don't really need to add infinite power every season that could get absurd and there's no real reason to go that high more than likely due to the due to the actual way the game is structured now my theory is it's gonna it's gonna slow down and cap out at around 40 for most people that really focus on it reason for that is we can get to three uh, 960 we can get to 960 with pinnacle activities an extra 40 would take us to a thousand there is some stuff in the lore about the curse being removed once we can get to a thousand power so people are coming up with that theory also 
primes don't stop dropping until you hit 900 so even a casual player could probably get to 900 start getting primes get get somewhere in the nines to nine tens and then that extra 30 to 40 would get them close to 950 allowing them to get into maybe pinnacle activities that they might not ordinarily be able to get into okay yeah the the, the lore says 999 power or whatever so i'm envisioning that 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 being roughly where most people are going to land 30 to 40 extra power per season and we do know that it resets every season and everything changes the perks are seasonal and then you lose that power investment and it kind of starts over at zero now let's talk about the good what's good about this what is this bringing to the game that i think this is going to be you know helping and adding to the game as a value point because i do think there's some really good things here first i think this is a great way to influence and freshen up the meta each season this is a really great way for them to freshen things up and maybe influence and change the meta a little bit we saw a perk that adds disruption when you do sustained damage with an smg or an auto rifle currently auto rifles are a little ho-hum the breakneck and the half dan are okay but there's not a lot there to them smgs unless it's the recluse there's not a lot of smgs in pve content so it is cool to see them saying you know what we could maybe make auto rifles really really strong whenever we bring the you know the artifact out now obviously that means if they rotate auto rifles out of the pool of perks and you know the next season again that keeps things fresh you might shift some things around there might be a new bow auto rifle pulse rifle something that gets a new perk combination and then in addition to that you can make it a little bit stronger with the artifact that changes your loadout that could change your strategy the champions that you can use this on it said sustained damage causes them to do less damage it causes them to not be able to do their abilities as quickly and it gets increased damage on those specific champions that again is going to potentially influence strategy so you're not going to want to just keep running the same hand cannon shotgun loadout you might change things up because of these perks there's also layers of strategy for new activities with respect to the depth of your loadout and changing things around as well as finishing moves so if you're going into an activity and you've specced yourself out I've given this example a handful of times on stream if I spec myself out to be constantly throwing Genji knife trick like I turn myself into Genji way of a thousand cuts I'm constantly throwing knife trick my melee refresh is really high if I also have my super refresh really high and I also have hands-on which gives me increased super energy for melee kills I could be consistently getting to half my super and then doing a finisher and just covering the ground with heavy for my team that could literally be my role again the artifact is a part of that it's a part of that strategy and influence and I think that's pretty cool that could add some depth to the strategy and the planning that then needs to be changed up and modified next season if you're doing that in a raid or you're doing that in an endgame pinnacle activity and they update the artifact and refresh it next season and you can no longer do that and then the finishing move does something else you got to come up with maybe a different build make some adjustments in your mods on your armor make some adjustments in your strategy to play well with that finisher that's a way to keep things fresh another really really smart move i think by bungie 
This is also very, very good for the hardcore and the casual player. Again, when you look at the Menagerie and some of the things I've said over the years, one of the biggest challenges I believe that Bungie faces in their game development of Destiny is offering something that satisfies both the casual and the hardcore player. A casual player can just throughout the season feel like they're making progress in their power level. They're raising their power cap just a little bit. Maybe they're not hardcore grinding up to 950, 960, but they're increasing their power. It's also great for the hardcore player that gets all the way to 950, 960 and wants to add more power on top to inch closer to the absolute maximum power that sort of gets deduced by the community so all around i think this is a good good addition to the game to keep things fresh now what's the unknown what is unknown again you may watch this and be like this has already been answered in a twab in a blog or a tweet but again this is being recorded on august 21st how high can a really dedicated player get we're just kind of curious are you going to be able to add 60 70 100 power level if you're really dedicated in the season we don't know you know sources of xp can't really be manipulated and if they slow xp gains to absurd levels once you get over 40 then it doesn't matter how long you play the turnover and return on that investment is just going to slow slow way down to a slog so we don't really know how high somebody can get with you know that much dedication now it's resetting each season what does that mean for the power grind there was something in an interview that they did at gamescom that made it sound like to me they almost kind of gave away the cards here that shadow keep adds the power increase every season after that the power increase might just come from the artifact the game will sort of stay static in this 950 960 area and the artifact is always going to kind of take us up close to a thousand and then back down and that'll be basically our power grind in the smaller seasonal offerings we don't know we have no idea that's just a guess and a theory i have based on some things that they said in some of the interviews also given that the perks on it are tied to the activities i said this in another video if it's tied to nightmare hunt does that mean nightmare hunt is the activity getting retired at the end of season of the undying whenever we go into the next season the winter season being that the artifact is tied to nightmare hunt does that mean it's reset also then means whatever activity is new in the next season will then be tied to it meaning nightmare hunt gets gets retired i made theories looking at the moon map that the vex invasions are not just invasions like the prowling wolves it's going to be an actual insensible thing on the moon there's three diamonds on the map with the vex symbol and there's like a little vex icon with the it's like teal down in the corner i'm wondering if we click on that vex icon instance into quote-unquote vex invasions and those are more of a true activity loot grind and then that gets retired we don't know we'll have to wait and see by and large i think the artifact is adding a really really cool extra layer of strategy and power influence as well as something that resets every season to keep things fresh q a is about to follow if you're watching this in any of those locations i appreciate you doing that please like share and subscribe thank you for listening to or watching another episode of sntr presents this is going to be a q a session that followed my talk about the new artifact details that have come out if you're listening to this on itunes google play spotify or watching on youtube i'm probably live right now so click the link below to come hang out with me live and submit questions and have the fun back and forth we're going to jump right into the questions killer nick joe with 24 months of subs thank you that is an entire year. First question, um, two years, I'm sorry, two years, brand new gold badge. I'm, I'm, I'm an absolute genius. Steve Horror says, how do you think the new uncapped power level that comes with the artifact will work in Iron Banner? More than likely, it's not going to offer enough to hurt Iron Banner. If it adds, you know, 20 or 30 power, I don't see that being an issue. I also don't see there being an issue with like 
homies running around with artifacts that are adding 150 power to your to your guardian I don't think that's going to happen so like you go in and you're like wait what the frick these guys are way higher than me as I said I think when you get into the mid 30s to 40s if it's if it's adding you know 35 power to your guardian leveling up at that point is probably going to take a long long time it's going to slow down I highly doubt you're going to be able to just grind like a madman and be like yeah man 150 power suck it I'm above everybody in the crucible they're going to slow it down there's no way they don't. It'll be so weird for them to not do that. And, and he did indicate in the interview that there's not enough hours in a day in the season and stuff. You're going to run out of time. It'll and, and that's probably an indication that it'll slow down. Or they could turn off artifact power for the Iron Banner playlist. That's also something that they could possibly do. That's a good word from Bleep Blam Bleep. They could definitely say artifact power is not going to affect, you know, Iron Banner. Sergey uh, Ariza, don't do you think that Bungie could be planning to extend the lifetime of Destiny 2 with new content in the annual pass until PlayStation 5 Scarlet is released and then make the move to release Destiny 3 with PlayStation 5 and Scarlet? Well, Scarlet's launching next year. So, I don't think they indicated in an interview that the current roadmap goes all the way into 2020. Okay. I don't think that means Destiny 3 is launching next year 2020 on the Scarlet and the PS5. What I think they're going to do is they're going to wait a year. If you wait a year, you get to do a couple of things. Number one, you get to work on your game a lot longer. You get to learn more lessons in the structure, reward, and you know the systems that they're trying to come up with. Making this game work is one thing. Making it scalable so you can expand upon it and invest and continue to add to the experience is a completely different question. We know they can make content. We know they can make strikes and, and things for us to go run. Can they make it scalable? to where in nine months after I've grinded for all my god rolls, you've got new stuff that I care about and want to chase. That's a big question mark. I believe they're going to be answering that question mark over the next 12 months. Okay? We also, as many people will say, we need a new new engine. We need dedicated servers. So I would envision them taking that extra time to keep working on D3. The other thing that they would benefit from is, think about it like this. If they launch September of 2021, do you know what they can do? Number one, they can wait for the new consoles to get into circulation. They can wait for them to kind of get pushed out. And then they can latch onto those consoles for Christmas sales. A year later, all the consoles start getting discounted. So you could buy an Xbox Scarlet or a PS5 discounted and bundled with Destiny 3. That's a great way to get market saturation. That's a great way to start moving a lot of your player base over to the new consoles because more than likely, if Destiny 3 was to launch 2021, they would probably add content to it in 2022 that you would not have access to on the old consoles. They gotta move you over. There's, there's, there is limitations on those consoles. Xbox One and PS4 are super limited, and they wouldn't want to do that much on those consoles. So if, if Destiny 3 landed and was playable on the Xbox One and PS5, I would think they would basically say, look, once we start rolling out content for Destiny 3 in 2022, we're not going to be pushing it on the old consoles. They did that with the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3. They left them behind with Rise of Iron? Was it when they did that? Where if you wanted to get Rise of Iron, you couldn't get it on the old consoles. They basically just, that was their soft push. And that was kind of their preparation for, that was their preparation for the next gen. Their preparation for next gen. Now, they might, as I say that, they might next year say, if they, can you imagine, what if they drop Taken Queen and you can't get Taken Queen on 
Xbox One, PS4. You'd have to buy the new systems. That might be too early, though. I could I could envision a world where 2021, they say the new consoles have been out for a year. We're going to do a DLC end of 2021 where it's only on the new consoles. So they slowly get all get everybody to come over. And then 2022, they launch Destiny 3 only on the new consoles. Consoles are out for one year. DLC for Destiny 2 that you can't get unless you have a new console. A year later, Destiny 3 lands only on the new consoles 2022. I think 2020 is too early to, to make a push to new console. It's too early. The people would be like, no, I don't that's not fair. You'd have to let you'd have to basically let the console sell for a year and then say, you know, hey, it's 2021, we're adding more content to Destiny 2. The only way for us to do that is to do that in the new architectures of the new consoles because there's not enough memory on the old ones, you know. I ant. There was an interview talking about how there's basically an unlimited power cap determined by time investing. How do you think it'll affect literally the same question we just asked uh, and answered? Hollywood's row. Do you think that with the seasonal artifact, we could get to the point where we don't get power increase, increase each season? You grind great rolls, new gear, but power comes from unlocking perks on the artifact. I literally theorized that in my video. You just submitted this before I walked through it. I think that there was a line. He said something in the interview, and I'm telling you, it sounded, I picked up on it. I was like, that sounds like our power grind each season is just the artifact. Shadowkeep raises the power level. Each season beyond that, there is no power level increased. You're literally just grinding the artifact. So they drop new pinnacle activities and new aspirational content that you can't do until you level the artifact up. That's your power grind each season beyond Shadowkeep just a theory and it's just based off like a passing comment that he made but it really gave me that impression and I'm not the only one who's picked up on that possibility I'm fairly certain Paul Tassi said something similar in his recent article we 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 says do we know if we can preload D2 on Steam yet or will PC players need to reload the game while consoles are just downloading the update I have no idea how this is going to play out I have no clue Drippin' sarcasm. With everything getting bumped to 750 and the solstice grind objectively being pointless, what should energy be geared toward? Grinding planetary materials, finishing up seals, etc. Well, if you want to finish up seals, that's up to you. If you want to finish up seals, that is 100% up to you, okay? For me, I'm getting as many enhancement cores as I possibly can. I'm getting as many enhancement cores as I possibly can. So, the, the, and, the, and the reason for that is I think they're going to be really really valuable I'm also saving up I'm also saving up the the sparrows and ships and stuff that you can use for glimmer um, because once you hit max glimmer you're throwing away glimmer anyway and there's two there's two sparrows the overlooked and this the 935 or whatever the frick it's called you can buy those from season 3 and you get the shards back when you dismantle them and people are doing that to basically uh People are doing that to save the, I'm sorry, the other side in the G335. I was very close. The other side Sparrow or the G335, you do lose Glimmer, okay? But you get the five legendary shards back. The reason you're doing this is because you're losing Glimmer anyway. When you hit max Glimmer, you're throwing Glimmer away. You might as well buy those Sparrows and save them up as like 5,000 Glimmer packets in your inventory. And you do get all five shards back. So you're not wasting the shards. 
I thought it was free. Isn't the artifact and armor 2.0 just spreading out the existing power because they can't allow us to get more powerful? I don't know if it's spreading out the existing power. I don't know if this is the correct summary statement. I think what they're doing is is they're... Think of it this way. You go into Nightmare Hunt and there's a new enemy type in there. There's an Overload Champion. And there's a perk on the artifact that does something specific to the Overload Champion if you do sustain damage with an auto rifle. That's not spreading out power. That's not something I can do right now that they're moving. They're not shifting the goalposts on me. Well, you know, ordinarily you would have just used this power. We're going to spread the butter over here and we're spreading out that power. So now over here, this is what you get. This is how you get the power. No, that's not in the game at all right now. Being able to generate heavy ammo for my team by absorbing some of my super with a finisher, that's not in the game right now. So I don't know if this is a correct summary of, of, of what's going on. It feels like, to me, they're giving what... And this is, this, is, this is what I've talked about before. This is in line with one of the things I've talked about, but they're doing it in a different way. I always talked about contextual power, where you get an armor set that has abilities and perks that land on a given activity. And the example we always gave was Oracle Disruptor in Vogue. Once you got that armor set, it had a, it made a difference. It made a difference in the uh, Oracle Disruptor. I'm sorry, was on the weapons. Once you got that, it made a difference in the flow of the fight. They're doing something similar with the artifact. There is a contextual power that you're getting that is in a specific activity. So, I mean, as far as I could see, half the artifact. Half the artifact seemed to be abilities that had nothing to do with the rest of the game, just the nightmare hunt. That's the only thing it seems to be affecting. So that's, that's, I, I, I don't, it doesn't, again, it doesn't seem to me that they're spreading out power. It seems to me that they are allotting you new power that lands in a specific place. Tiger Pride with nine months, thank you. Cover two with 28 months, welcome back. Moons. Uh, Moon Siren. Hi, Lono. So, in this morning's interview with Bungie, uh, it was mentioned that there are no plans to change the weapon system this season since they will be focusing on Armor 2.0. What are your thoughts on this, and do you think it's a mistake to bring big changes to armor but not to weapons? I Are, are we... Is this confirmed? Can anybody in chat confirm that it was said in this specific of a way? They said there are no plans to change the weapon system, like, at all? That's a little concerning. Mr. Complaining Face says confirmed. So my only thought here is then they're basically just going to be their weapons announcement is there's all those old weapons from year one that you guys can go back and chase and they're and they have random rolls and mod slots. And then there's the artifact mods that can change things up a little bit. Soul Snatch is zeroing in on this season. There's no plans to change the weapon system this season. It, yeah, I mean, that could be something that they then look at in a future season. I happen to think it might be kind of odd for them to say, hey, we we didn't we didn't do anything to the weapon system in Shadowkeep, but we're gonna do a complete we're gonna do an overhaul or an update in in, a, in the winter season for it's a ten I don't know. Why do you want what do you want for weapons? Homie, look at what they're doing to the armor and then look at weapons. Do you don't do you really think that like weapons are in a good spot when we're going to be like grinding for Outlaw Rampage all over again? 
It's a loot-based game, and the weapons have had the same basic perks for a really, really long time. At the very least, at the very least, I would hope maybe some of the new weapons or aspirational content weapons like the raid would have maybe new perks or something about them. They're boring. They're not doing it. They already showed us a 110 with four times the charm on it. I, what the frick? You can grind for that right now. It's called a Warden's Law. I don't understand why they wouldn't at least do something. And, and again, I don't need weapons to get insane. I don't need 18 mod slots. But something... I, You know, it, it, Armor 2.0, right? I level up the weapon to Masterwork level 10. Maybe you at least let me then select the Masterwork. And then maybe it opens up an extra mod slot. I don't know. Even something like that would be better than literally nothing. I don't know. I kept saying, Luke Smith indicated in one of his director's cuts, he didn't want to spoil anything they were doing with the weapons. Okay? He didn't. He said that he didn't want to spoil anything they were doing with the weapons. And if the only thing they're doing with the weapons are the things on the artifact... They've already spoiled that in their video then on at Xbox. That seems like the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing then. If he's like, I don't really want to spoil what we're doing with the weapon system, and then they show us what they're doing with weapons on the artifact like by accident at the Xbox main stage, that seems really odd. He meant balancing changes? You wouldn't use the word spoil. I don't think, I think he was talking about Armor 2.0 and he touched on weapons and said something to the effect of he didn't want to spoil it. I don't know. I If the only thing they're doing to weapons is that we can go chase all the old weapons and get random rolls, that's, I guess, good enough for now. But you gotta go farther than that, dude. He mentioned scouts getting love. That contradicts. He was talking about buffs and nerfs. Oh, was the context of that statement during when he was talking about buffs and nerfs? Frick. Multiple people in chat are saying that. Okay, well, maybe I misread the tarot cards. I thought that they were they were saving weapon updates for later. Um, they're worried about guns breaking PvP. Yeah, I mean, scouts getting a buff and things like that, that's not what I'm talking about. I was really hoping we were going to see some changes to the system itself. He didn't want to treat the director's cut as patch notes, so that's when he said he didn't want to spoil anything. Okay, so I misread that and misinterpreted that. That's unfortunate. That basically means the only real weapon grind we're getting then is like, if you want to go go for old weapons, which I'm happy to go grind for a Rampage Outlaw old-fashioned. I said numerous times, that's a great injection of relevancy. I was envisioning them doing that as like a season pass thing, not a big DLC. I was thinking Shadowkeep was going to bring more to the weapon system. At the very least, I hope that I can grind for old weapons with random rolls and maybe really start giving aspirational content better treatment. I really want, if I'm building weapons with with Eris or I'm grinding for weapons in the raid, I'm really hoping we see some, at least, at least see some new perks that are better than just Rampage Outlaw, Rampage Outlaw, Rampage Outlaw. So... Throwing in armor builds and weapon changes would be too much for one sandbox team to try to balance. Uh, you have to wait and see what the armor changes do with the current weapons. That's actually a decent perspective from Eugene. I, I tend to agree with you, even though I'm bummed. I'm bummed that I'm bummed that I know you're probably right, and that's probably what's going to end up happening. Uh, Johnny Fiver with 20 months of subs. That is a long time, dude. Welcome back. Thank you for 20 months of support. 
Enjoy the ad-free viewing. Thanks for using your Twitch Prime sub here. Moon's Moon Siren. With the potential to have unlimited power level, do you think this could create problems in parts of the game, such as Iron Banner? We already addressed this. Uh, Yeet Beans. As I have taken a step back from Destiny 2 since the initial Forsaken launch, what do you recommend I work on to be ready for Shadowkeep? I have the complete collection. Thanks, love the stream. I would get as many resources and uh, enhancement cores as you can. And then you can go back to the part where I gave advice about the sparrow and which sparrows to grind. Go back to that part of this episode and then do that too. Every time you hit the glimmer cap, you might as well be doing that. Z-Tour. Do you think the 150 light grind will be grindy as Solstice? As Grundy. uh, Solomon Grundy. Um, Sorry if this was asked already. No idea. They're adding things to give you more intentionality over your level grind, so I think it'll be less grindy. Evil the Waffler. Will it just be the artifact to reset power or will we drop down to 750 each season? No, 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 no. They're not dropping us to 750 each season. The artifact's resetting each season. Uh, Dagnabbit Ben. With several perks from the artifact seeming to point to underused archetype guns, do you think that we will see nice changes to auto, bows, SMGs in Shadowkeep? I would love to see something happen to those weapons if they are in fact having like a trend or meta push with the artifact. If they're seeing the artifact as a way for them to do that, like buff up underutilized weapons, that's a really great time for them to visit auto rifles, SMGs, and bows, in especially in PvE. You gotta be really careful with bows and SMGs in PvP, because there's nothing wrong with bows or SMGs. Ah, SMGs, you're only saying that because of Recluse. Uh, and PvP. SMGs don't do a whole lot, and they don't get a whole lot of traction in PvE, except for the Recluse. ARs are weak, and I think bows could just use with some better perks. I think bows could use with some better perks for PvE. Um, so, Huckleberry, if you're gonna run Huckleberry, just throw on the Breakneck. Breakneck makes it completely irrelevant, and Huckleberry's an exotic. You're basically taking your, an exotic away from yourself to run Huckleberry, which is essentially a breakneck. Like, it's not, it's it's barely, barely different or different, like, marginally different. Um, so. P. Wee says, what do you think the meta is going to look like with all these new character options and customization? Um, and so, I, here's the thing. I, I don't know if we can make predictions about the meta just yet. Um, because there's just so many combinations that could come up and come into play. We also don't know what they're going to be doing with the Void. Uh, play. They've made changes to Void Supers and Attunements, so I don't have any predictions here. Shadow Fox Gaming. With the artifact and mods the way they are going, do you feel... Excuse me. Do you feel it's possible to spec out for roles in a team similar to MMO's DPS tank support? I mean... The, one of the things I would say is that with the build I've outlined with the Genji build we're going to call it the Genji the Genji Jolly Rancher build, okay? Genji Jolly Rancher if I'm constantly throwing knife trick because I've specced into melee and I'm running Ophidius space and I am just literally meleeing everybody my melee refresh is really high my intellect is really high and I have hands on because you got to remember, hands-on is a perk separate from intellect gain. Hands-on just gives you extra super energy for melee kills. And every time I get to half half super, 
I drain it and I create heavy ammo for my entire team, right? I'm not really needing to use my super. I'm not really needing to use blade barrage. That's just one idea I've come up with off the top of my head based off of my own, you know, uh, ways that I like to play. There are probably a ton a, a ton more builds that you could come up with that are going to be ways to buff your team, support your team, etc. So the, the, the Genji Jolly Rancher build could be really, really freaking fun in content where if you're feeding your team lots of heavy ammo, I mean, that, that can be a game changer in endgame content. You talk about being able to spam grenade launchers and just get rid of majors or mini bosses or shielded enemies, or you talk about always feeding. Because think about it. If you're trying to combat... If they start trying to combat what we've been doing, I want you to imagine right now, you go into a raid, you throw down a well, and everybody empties their their heavy weapons with Luna. If they start trying to combat that to where damage cycles are taking, you know, there's two or three damage cycles, and you have somebody running Genji Jolly Rancher, well, then you can be constantly getting your heavy ammo back for those damage cycles. You can push back against some of what they're trying to do, so you know every time it's time to do a damage phase, my entire team has heavy ammo. Like you, you, that's that's just one build and one potential result from one build that could result in more intentionality in the game. There's also the ability to know that like the ammo finders are working more efficiently and telling you when they're working, so you could really set you know having people running two energy weapons. You know, there's a lot that could come from that. I mean, if you go think about it like this I, I just had another idea that you could do on top of Genji Jolly Rancher what if Genji Jolly Rancher also does you know ammo finders that buff you know you're constantly finding grenades and you run double grenade you run triple grenade launcher you literally run two energy weapons right is there is there a primary weapon does the grenade launcher in the primary slot doesn't it use energy I thought that's how it worked I'm, I'm having a hard time remembering now when you run those those grenade launchers that go yeah they use special ammo yeah if you run ma- malicious birthright or even mountaintop right you run malicious birthright it uses special so if you run malicious birthright and then you also run I don't know Orwing's mall you run malicious birthright Orwing's mall and then another grenade launcher in your heavy slot and you spec out your armor to constantly drop green ammo and get more ammo from it because you don't need a gun. You don't need like a primary weapon or even a secondary weapon. If you're running Genji Jolly Rancher, you're literally knife trick is really freaking strong. So you're just dumping knives into everybody. Just constantly get generating your super, constantly generating your super, boom, finish your move, heavy ammo for your team. And then when it's time for you to do damage, guess what? You don't need your super because you have three grenade launchers. You don't need the heavy ammo that you're not generating for yourself. I mean, you might. You could run a heavy ammo finder if you wanted, but I'm, I'm telling you right now, that's one build that might be potentially really stupidly fun, and I've just off the top of my head come up with that. I'm sure there's tons of other combos people are going to come up with, like we saw with her arc buddy and she was running Arbalist and stuff. There's a lot of things that you could be doing where, yeah, Fighting Lion. You could throw Fighting Lion into the mix because if you're running Fighting Lion because you don't need an exotic because you're running a grenade launcher, you're just running three grenade launchers. It could be really, really fun. Um feeding your whole raid team with heavy for some of your super is a great trade-off especially if you're specking into a build where you know you don't need your super 
I don't really need Blade Barrage if I'm running Genji Jolly Rancher with Triple Grenade Launcher. I just don't. And that's a completely different way of playing the game than you play the game now. Nobody's playing the game that way. Nobody's running around with triple grenade launchers and 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 feeding their team super with Genji. Like there's just that's not a build. Like you can do a Genji build and if Brawler's active, you literally can throw knife trick the whole time. But that's only in one spot. Empowering yourself to play like this everywhere would be really freaking fun. And that's one character, one attunement, one build. So I'm really excited for what's going to come out of this because here's what here's my hope, okay? Here's my hope. If Bungie pushes back on the Well of Radiance ammo dump meta, you don't feel if they push up back on that and it's not as easy to do that and you start coming up with creative ways to feed your team heavy or feed yourself super or whatever. People are like what's Genji? I'm, it's a, it's an Overwatch character, and that's all he does is throw throwing stars. So whenever anybody sees me playing that way, it's it's a it's a very easy reference to Genji, you know, because that's kind of what it looks like the way he's even throwing them. The animation of Knife Trick is very similar. Um, anyway, sorry for the people that might not know who Genji is. They're probably like, "What the frick is Genji Jolly Rancher?" My hope would be though is if they push back against that meta, gotta run the meta, gotta run max DPS. If they start to sort of you know, push us softly into directions where that's not really happening anymore, then you have freedom within those lanes to play differently and load yourself out differently, and you're still supporting your team, and you're still contributing to the overall DPS and victory, not feeling like, yeah, everybody put on the same loadout, stand in this well. It'd be better to have people doing different things and running different builds and not feeling like they're holding the team back. Because we all know there's an enormous difference between going into an encounter with a bunch of people specked out for max DPS standing in a well. There's a big difference between that and people being like, well, I want to run what I want to run. I ran into that so many times playing with people raiding and it just ticked me off. It's like, dude, quit running a stupid build. Put on a good build. I, you know, I don't care about your freedom right now. We're trying to beat this because we know there's a huge difference between a, an, an optimum DPS team and a non-optimum. I still think there's going to be optimum DPS builds, but the hope would be with the amount of freedom that we might get from this that you wouldn't feel sort of pigeonholed and everybody running the same thing. So I would hope, I would hope that that's what would come out of this. And there's another way they could do it too with exotics. There's a lot of things, you know. There's a there's a lot of things that could that could come from it. One well, and Harry's saying, imagine needing to run a certain build in D2. You don't need to, but if, especially in raids, when you fail to one cycle because there's some people on your team not running an optimum DPS build, and then you can't get to the next damage phase and you wipe. That's not a, you need to run the build, but it's like, dude, would you shut the frick up and just put on the optimum DPS build so we can one phase bake this guy? One phase bakes versus going to second phase and failing is so frustrating, especially when you know there's people on the team refusing to change their loadout. You know, that, it's, again, it's not a need, but there's definitely a stubbornness sometimes in players that just don't want to run the meta, and my hope would be, with Armor 2.0 and the Artifact, that we can really come up with some builds that you can play the way that you want, and then still contribute to the team. No, it's not an elitist problem, it's an efficiency problem. Dude, if you fall down the rabbit hole and you keep failing because you can't get it one phase and you're going to phase two and you're failing, that's not an elitist problem. I got limited time, man. You think I want to jerk around in a raid for three hours because you're an idiot that won't switch your loadout? 
as soon as people switch their loadouts and you one phase bake it's like dude we could have been out of here two hours ago that's not an elitist problem an elitist problem is only this this is the only way to play that's that's elitist saying dude we can one phase bake this guy put on your dadgum grenade launcher you know um uh, a ant sorry i was making sure i wasn't skipping a question uh a ant says don't know if you do lore questions what do you think made the vex go on the offensive all of a sudden we destroyed the black heart in d1 we raided their infinite forest we defeated atheon i don't know if there's anything in the story that's happening maybe we're just really distracted by the curse in the dreaming city there's also uh Quaria or whatever her name is apparently is in is she's the one responsible for the curse on the dreaming city that could be a distraction so while we're dealing with that she then starts you know opening up the the vex garden so people you know they can start coming out of it or whatever um eugene says the elitist in the scenario is the jackwad refusing to run the meta because he hang on uh because he's above it and he's messing up everyone else's time. Yeah, that's the irony. I don't want to change my loadout. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, and again, I want to push back on the LFG must have galley, must have this, must run this meta. If you come in and they're like, what are you running? And you're like, oh, I'm running this loadout. I'll be putting heavy bricks on the ground for you guys the whole time. Nobody would be like, oh, no, dude, you need to switch your loadout. They'd be like, oh, yeah, that's that's pretty solid. They'll be clear and in, in, in very accessible, like, loadout differences so you know, oh, this guy's running this and that, and he's going to be doing this the whole time. That's actually a pretty strong build, no worries. The hope would be that damage phases aren't the only focus. That's, like, the only thing that people focus on. And that's all people want to care about, because that's the main, that's the main pain point a lot of the times. I just ran uh, tier 3 reckoning with 4 titans for like 6 runs in a row there are certain times you can go away from the meta if people are good enough it was so much fun yeah but if you match make into a bunch of titans you're probably not going to have that scenario a lot of times tier 3 reckoning with titans is just going to be absolutely brutal because you don't have wells and tethers it's so it's so velvillard says I'm still fuzzy on the switch I paid for all the DLC on Battle.net, and I will be buying Shadowkeep, but will I have to put buy Forsaken again on Steam, or would all transfer? You're transferring. You're not rebuying content that you already paid for. That's all transferring. And then you'll, like, buy Shadowkeep in Steam. I don't know how that works if you already paid if you already paid for Shadowkeep, you're probably going to be getting, like, a code to input in Steam. Did they let people pre-order Shadowkeep before the announcement to go to Steam? I don't think they did. They announced that we were going to Steam when they did the stream about Shadowkeep. So I don't even know if you if th- this isn't going to be like a potential problem. Pre-order was Steam. Okay, okay, yeah. Next question. Kenny is daddy. We will be receiving a dungeon in Shadowkeep. Uh, or will we be? But if this dungeon is from the undying content that can be taken away, is that a possibility? If they're going to retire content during a season, I actually don't know where I land on this because I feel like the, a dungeon would be a prime suspect because you're like such a small peep, such a small amount of people engage with it. So it doesn't need to take up space 
in the game and in the loot pool have it be limited time I don't want to take a dungeon away from you but if you put me in charge and they're like alright Lono we've got Vex incursions that's a loot grind and a loop we've got the uh, the nightmare hunt and we've got this new dungeon uh, they all basically take up the same amount of space in the game so which one should we remove I would say well what's the daily engagement of each activity give that to me okay what's the weekly engagement for each activity give me that what's the monthly engagement for each activity give me that that dungeon's gonna be way at the bottom of the list so if you if you if it was up to me I'd be like yeah chop the dungeon let people know they have a limited time to run it and get all the dope stuff from it you know I don't see them building a dungeon which is primarily a small team experience and then getting rid of it seems far less resource intensive than a match made weekly rotation activity how could you possibly look at the shattered throne Eugene and say that that's not that's less intensive than the forges or even reckoning the shattered throne the shattered throne is huge and the engagements have mechanics it's an enormous environment so if they do another dungeon that size there's way more time put in there that's taking up way more space in the game I know it's not match made but like there's no maintenance to it you build it and you're done I don't know. I don't know if we're looking at this from the right end of the telescope, Eugene. I don't know if that's true. I would think in the grand scheme of saving up space, if you're trying to save space in the game, they didn't say they're retiring content because they don't want to maintain it and have maintenance. They said it's a technical limitation. There's only so much space in the game. I would I, I would think the dungeon would be the largest. It's they're they're huge. Um Dungeon gets low engagement. I was under the impression that one of the driving factors of the dungeon engagement was it's basically raid light. I see nothing but praise for Shattered Throne. Praise doesn't mean it gets good saturation in the community, though. I'm telling you right now, Menagerie launches, and after a month of Menagerie being out, analyze how many people are going into Menagerie, and then analyze how many people are going into a dungeon it's not a fair comparison because the dungeon came out a long time ago so maybe that's not a fair comparison I'm telling you right now if you if Shadowkeep were to drop and you have Nightmare Hunt and the Vex Incursions and then you have the the, 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 the dungeon the dungeon would almost assuredly be at the bottom of the barrel as engagement goes if you compared it on a graph it would be marginally above raids uh, it'd, be, it'd be marginally above the raid so I'm telling you, if you put me in charge, I would get rid of the dungeon. I would let people know, yep, dungeon's launching uh, October the 15th, and you have until December the 29th to run it every week and to try to get stuff, to try to get stuff, you know, from it, blah, 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 blah. And maybe make the drop rates protected so you don't end the season and not get the thing. Because again, if, if you're making me choose what I'm going to prune, I'm not going to prune something that everybody's going into day in day out week in week out I just that 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 that'd be an easy decision for me 
So, because ultimately in the grand scheme of things, that's what they're trying to do is they're trying to shuffle the content forward. You're, you were doing this and now you're doing this and now you're doing this. Like they're wanting to cluster people around the new activities and a dungeon dropping in the game, taking up tons of space, being a significantly large piece of content and just always being there. That's out of step with what Luke Smith said. It's like, why are you doing that? If you've got technical limitations and you're running out of space in the game, you're running out of space in memory on these older consoles. Souls, does it really make sense to be like yeah here's a dungeon and it's just always there and it gets very very low engagement and it's like it's 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 just it's just always taking up space if Bungie's main concern is hard drive space then content that uses the exact same assets Shadow Throne will not be removed I'm talking about a new a new dungeon if they had a new dungeon in Shadow in, in, in Shadowkeep and their contention is that from this point on, when we add activities, they may get retired because of technical limitations and challenges that we're facing. I would say the dungeon is your best your best target. If that's your logic, then the dungeon needs to be on a weekly rotation, not every three weeks. Oh, I agree with you, Sasano. If they went into this and said, dungeons get low engagement, they take up lots of space, this thing's getting retired after December, it would need to be available, like, all the time. I 100% agree with that. Because you wouldn't want to be like, well, that's great, it's only available every three freaking weeks, and I can't get the dadgum thing to drop that I want. They would need to change the entire structure of the, the reward and the delivery rhythm of the content. I'm not specifically talking about Shattered Throne. I'm saying from Shadow Keep forward, just ignore everything that's in the game right now because they're not doing that. From Shadow Keep forward, Luke Smith has indicated that they're going to have to start adding things that get removed later because of technical limitations on the game. And in my mind, the dungeon that they add in Shadow Keep is your best target for removal for space because it's a lower engaged with piece of content and it can have a story tied to it that's resolved because he said things are introduced and they resolve themselves now I'm not saying that's what they're going to do I'm just saying that's what I would pick if I was in charge that's what I would pick I happen to think that the Vex invasions might be the target because it looks like the Vex invasions are an actual activity. They're not just like the wolves are prowling. We looked at the map and we kind of came up with a theory about how the Vex invasions seem to be three diamonds of locations on the map. We even found the one. There's a picture of a Vex invasion that seems to be happening in Archer's line and there's a giant minotaur. It seems to be like an actual activity. Then down in the corner of the moon map, there's like that teal icon. You may be able to, like Escalation Protocol, what we wanted, you may be able to match make into a Vex invasion or incursion, go and run it, and farm for gear. And if that gets retired at the end of the season, that makes a little bit more sense, right? Like, the raid shows up, we beat the raid, it sets up a course of events, like, the Vex invasions resolve themselves. The other thing that could resolve themselves is the Nightmare Hunt. We finish that storyline with Eris, and the Nightmare Hunt resolves itself, it's no longer around. There's good reason to think that, because there's literal perks on the artifact tied to Nightmare Hunt. And if the artifact Artifact is resetting every season and those perks are going away, that likely could be the exact same thing that happens with the activity. Raids are a massive waste of time and money? No. No way. The visual... The the, the, the marketing mechanism of a raid right now is unquestionably worth the development time. The, 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 the viewership they get on those days and they've turned it into a giant marketing tool, raids are not at all a waste of money. 
you you completely are missing the ROI on a raid. It far extends beyond the people who play week to week. They also have an entire team dedicated to it. So they're not taking away bandwidth development from strikes, weapons, you know, new activities, new stuff. You know what I'm saying? They have an entire team dedicated to it. Now, your pushback might be like, yeah, but that raid team could get assigned to something else. And then that'd be better use of time. I don't think, I again, don't think you're you're giving enough footing and power to the ROI they get from raids. So, saying raids are a waste of money, look at Anthem and how well that game did without any endgame content. Um, that is a terrible comparison. That's not why Anthem failed. Anthem had endgame content. Anthem had endgame difficulty. Anthem had no loot incentive, no loot grind, no min-maxing, lack of loot generosity, which then affected all delivery. All the stuff they were going to add to the game, all the cataclysms, all the events, were all meaningless because there was no loot grind, there was no min-max, there was no there was no spiral staircase to climb. That's not... A lack of raids is not what led to Anthem's failure. That is, that's a complete misread of what happened with Anthem. Cool CJP. What is the artifact? I haven't been keeping up on the news. It, it's it's going to be below your ghost. It's going to be below your ghost, and it's going to have... You're going to, like, level it up and unlock it, and as you unlock it, there's going to be perks and things that get added to guns and things that you do in the game. Uh, it's and, and then it gets reset every season. It also will level up, and as it levels up, you're going to get bonus power from it, raising your power level. Coordinator. How would you improve dungeons? I love running them, but have no reason to. I, I'm not a big fan of them. They're just not kind of my cup of tea. Um, there wasn't enough of a loot incentive to run them. If there would have been some godlike weapon in Shattered Throne that you know dro- that was a guaranteed drop every time and you could grind for the, the curated roll or some god roll on it, you might have seen me in there. Content for me, aspirational content falls flat on its dadgum face when I have no reason to run. There's no loot incentive. If there is no loot incentive, the content falls flat on its face for me. I'm like, so what can I get from it? Oh, a title, a ghost, and an emblem, or whatever the frick. Like, I don't even know what all the things were. Um, the content just falls fl- like right on its face. I'm like, neat. I won't be running it then, you know? that's Why do you think I don't run raids? There's no loot incentive to run Crown of Sorrow. There's freaking nothing. It's literally just aspirational content with the team that takes time and literally rewards me with nothing. And I don't run content like that. I would rather run mundane content and get and get enhancement cores than run the raid or the shattered throne. The solo emblem is worth it. That's subjective to the player. I disagree. This is a loot-based game. I don't give a crap about your emblem. No offense. Emblems are cool. I don't give a flying frick about your emblem. Do you even know what emblem I'm wearing right now and do you care? Emblems are loot? Not to me, they're not. Earned by successfully completing the time trial for mission zero hour. So we beat this under under that time limit, right? Uh, What's the... uh, What was the one... I, I guess I got rid of it. I got the emblem for like beating the one raid before you know before Tuesday I, I, that's not loot to me you know your solo your solo flawless emblem for, for Shattered Throne I, I just don't care I don't 
if I see a weapon and I'm like, look at the roll on that weapon. Look at the, look at the, look at the, the, the how the weapon looks. You know, a, a good doomsday, a good spare rations. I mean, I get excited. I'm like, I want that. I want that. It's a loot-based game, and I've never been in a loot-based game and be like, bro, did you see my emblem? Bro, look at this thing. You see my ghost and my sparrow on my ship? Now, ghost sparrows and ships are a little bit of an incentive, but still not strong enough. They're just not strong enough. Alola TV. Is it confirmed world drops will receive a refresh for Shadowkeep? Also, how do you feel about the possibility of doing the same milestones to level up? As someone who has always been a day one raider, I'm not looking forward to grinding out the same stuff for power for the raid. I mean, here's the thing. They, uh, Luke Smith made it clear in his director's cut that they don't like doing that to you. They don't like saying, oh, welcome to the new season. Welcome to the new power grind. Now go daisy chain your way through a bunch of old content. He, he made, he made it very clear that they were not pleased with that. That's, that's not where they want things to go. So I would say that. The, ri- the grind will be a little bit better for leveling. You know, world drops have a chance to drop at your level. There is a reason. Th- they didn't say a refresh, but they did say, like, you can go re-earn all the armor in the game and it drops at 2.0. Now, I hope that also means gun drops are getting random rolls. I'm going to be unbelievably disappointed if they didn't at least give year one weapons the year two treatment you don't got to give guns the armor 2.0 treatment with the mods and the and the and the master working them up to 10 and putting whatever i want on them you don't got to do that but at the very least i really hope weapons are getting random rolls because if not i'm gonna be pretty bummed if the bulk of the new grind is basically just armor sets and then a usually it's a smattering of new weapons that matter um that just that that won't be a that won't be a strong I'll be I'll be pretty disappointed. And then as far as leveling goes, I would I would say I would say that there it's gonna be a little bit better than it was in the past. But I still don't think that's where they wanted. He didn't give me the impression that they were like super satisfied. Super satisfied with where leveling was or where it was going. Box alarm. Do you think the artifact system will affect Iron Banner or will Bungie have to cap it? We've dealt with this question a lot today. I don't think the artifact is going to give you enough of a power boost to really mess up Iron Banner, but they may just disable it in Iron Banner. Follow Support says, If old raid armor is going to be worth grinding for now, are their weapons going to be updated too? I just said I don't. we don't know. I think my biggest concern is that I, in a lot of the clips we've seen, in a lot of the videos now now update me if i'm wrong on this guys but in virtually every trailer and sample of content we've seen they have been wearing old armor we we saw that in the trailer we saw people wearing you know escalation protocol armor we've seen people wearing year 1 armor but we haven't seen them with year 1 weapons equipped i haven't i don't think so i don't think i've seen anybody running around in any of the videos with year 1 weapons equipped and that's concerning. That might mean that weapons are literally having z- like nothing done to them. So that I don't know. That's concerning. I kept thinking they were saving a weapons update in their hat, 
for a later date. So, other than the Leafy Osiris weapons, yeah, but that's not the same. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, that's going to be a big, big bummer if it's basically just a bunch of armor and then a couple of new loot pools. Like, you know, you're going to have what? Eris and then the raid and then the new activities. I don't know. A lot of people don't try raids because uh, they don't want to fail. I used to be like that, but people like Lono helped me understand the raids, watching him do Kinsfall train me. Right, I mean, I, somebody asked in chat if I raid regularly or am I more of a solo player. I used to raid all the time in D1 because I felt like there was a reason to. The gear was better, the rewards were better. I Just from Leviathan to Last Wish to Crown of Sorrow, like all the way, every raid from the beginning with Leviathan to now, I just didn't feel like they were worth it. Leviathan had the Midnight Coup and... It had the sins of the past, but it just there. It just never really felt like the, the 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 gear was worth it. And every raid after that felt the same way. There was no Fatebringer or Genesis Chain. There was no Nano Phoenix. There wasn't anything kind of in there eluding you that you really really wanted to get. Inaugural address. Yeah, the inaugural address is pretty good too. Acrius. Eh. Senior Natata. Do we know if the artifact is a new light thing or just a DLC expansion paid thing? Uh, I believe it's something that you have to that you're paying to get access to because it's part of the seasonal power grind. I don't think it's meant to be I don't think it's meant to be something that's like just handed out for free. There's it might be, I don't know, because power leveling was was power leveling each season free? Was it free? I don't remember. Um, it actually startled me. Thanks, Mama. Uh, next question. More cat. Do you think they will add strong exotics like 1K in future raids, or will they dumb down the exotics like the Taraba? I have no idea how to answer this question. I, th- th- there's no way for me to make a prediction about this. I would hope that both exotics and the weapons themselves and the armor in raids would be significantly better. They have said it will not be free. People are saying it was free in the past to level up. You needed Forsaken, but that's it. They required Forsaken. So more than likely, the artifact is going to be coming with Shadowkeep, and maybe beyond Shadowkeep, you don't need to buy a season to get the level boost, but there's not you're not going to have act- access to the new activities. Arena69. Do you think Bungie will add strong raid exotics into raids or add more... Dun- Why are you asking the same question multiple times? Oh, he submitted it for you, and then you submitted it. Donnie Vino, would it be worth to purchase Forsaken from Battle.net now before the transfer over to Steam if I only had the base game on PC or just stick with Shadowkeep content since Forsaken content would be not played as much? I mean, I don't know. It depends on how they structure the content. You may want access to Forsaken stuff. The Adventures, the um, the Blind Well, the Dreaming City. I honestly don't know what to tell you here, Don, because I th- there could be... I would think there would be a lot of reasons to want the entire game when you go into Shadowkeep. I could also see a lot of reasons for people to say, I don't need the whole game. I just want, you know, I just want, I just want Shadowkeep and the content beyond. Um, There could definitely be reasons to do that. To just sort of say, hey, you know, we're going to do... I'm just going to buy Shadowkeep. I'm just going to do... I'm just going to do this. There could could definitely be a... um, a, th- a, 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 a lot of people that do that. There could be a lot of people that take that attitude. But again, 
I like when you go into a game and have everything. That's just how I'm wired. I don't want to not have something. That's That could be FOMO, you know, feeling of missing out. I, I'm not really sure what's motivating it. Shadowhunter. After listening to yesterday's Q&A, why doesn't Bungie just go back to downloadable content? You could uninstall specific DLCs before, which would lighten the load. Thoughts? I don't know if that's even possible, though, technologically. Uh, Tech Sarge with 13 months. Welcome back, man. Dropped in to say, keep being the voice of the Destiny community. Keep up the good work. Thank you. I don't even know if it's technologically possible for them to just be like, yeah, uninstall Mercury. You know? Dagnabbit Ben says, the uh, major issue would be the audio and the video files. Um... Sorry, SMH. I didn't mean to delete your message. I, I was clicking too fast. He was talking to Donnie Vino. That was an accidental delete. You're not banned or anything. I was getting rid of that other idiot. Um, after listening to yesterday's QSA, uninstall. Yeah, I don't know if it's as easy for you to... As Dagnabbit Ben says, like the audio and video files that are in every language. Um, you know... I don't know why you can't go in and do that, though. Why can't you go in and say, what if you could, though? What if you could go in and say, delete all of Curse of Osiris? I don't need the audio files. I don't need any of that stuff. Um, I just, that sounds so simple on our end, but I don't think it's that simple. I don't think it's as simple as as just yanking content out at the push of a button. Evil the Waffler. Do you know if there's any changes coming to recovery, movement, or resilience? I have no idea. Bruth, Bruthadine. Uh says, hey Lono, I've been out of the game for a bit. I'm looking to start back in the grind up until Shadowkeep. What would be the first weapons I should grind for? You want to grind up now to get ready for Shadowkeep? I don't I don't have any advice for you, man. I mean, if you really want to go the distance for the Recluse or the Mountaintop, they're really, really strong weapons, but they're also probably going to get nerfed. So I don't know if you want to dedicate your time to it. I think, I think farming up resources is, is a better use of your time, but that's just my opinion. Decidedly Heathen. Do you think with all the new players coming in and the focal point changing, do you think there will be new ways to get Seeds of Light, or will they just unlock all the new subclass paths? Yeah, with new light coming in and you just being 750 and being in the tower, I don't know how they're going to do that. I would think that they would have you just be everything's unlocked. I don't know how much is gained by making somebody unlock supers and attunements. You know? I just, I don't know. That seems like... An, un- an unnecessary grind. Hey, welcome to New Light. Thanks for being here. Yep, the game's awesome. You're 750. You can play with all your friends. Oh, your supers? Yeah, there's uh, there's nine attunements uh, across just one character, and you gotta go and unlock all nine of those attunements. Um, that, I think, would just be... I-, I, just don't, I just don't know if that would be a good idea. New subclasses were in Forsaken, though. Not free. Oh, those subclasses were part of for paid forsaken DLC. You're right. You're right. Yeah, but okay, even if okay, even if those aren't in there, we still had to unlock all the subclasses in vanilla, didn't we? Didn't I have to unlock all the different attunements when I was playing? I remember doing that. Even before Forsaken came out, I remember going in and doing that. So yeah. Wishwash. Do you think Bungie should look at having a player test realm for PC? They made the comment before that they didn't know how Menagerie and other activities would play out. Also, there seems to always be something broken and their QA always seems to miss the immediately found by the community in a week. Well, okay, but what you're saying isn't a solution. 
you got to remember that when they weren't sure Menagerie was going to be a hit, go back and read the entirety of his statement. He is talking about parallel development and how they place a lot of bets at once, okay? If that's the case, your testing environment wouldn't work because they'd have to build the entire environment and fight and reward structure and put it in the game and have you test it and provide feedback. And then they got to retool it, they got to change it, and then you got to re-deliver it and redeploy it. I it just it, parallel development was the problem. It wasn't like, oh, you, you know, we we, we just we should if we'd have just shoved this out and let the people play, we could have fixed it. The QA team should have given the feedback that we have given during the first day of playing it. I think you misunderstand what the quality assurance team probably does. They mainly go in and look for bugs and glitches to make sure the content functions properly. They don't. The QA team at Bungie does not have a crystal ball to be like, this is how the player base at large is going to respond to this content. Now, again, I said yesterday, I don't give them a, I, I give them a pass, but it's a light pass. It's a light pass. I don't think they're in the dark about the fact that we like a purposeful grind and we like intentionality. Bungie's not in the dark about that. I think they knew when they were building Menagerie that we were going to like it. Like, hence, that's why they built it. I give them a very light pass. I have a really hard time believing whoever was designing Reckoning didn't think to themselves, this reward structure kind of sucks. There's no guaranteed drop of the weapons that people are going to want to go for. Oh, but that'll extend the content. Oh, be quiet. That's not a good enough. That's not a good reason to have drop rates be low. You know, I I don't know. I, I give them a very light pass on Reckoning. They, after this many years, we're supposed to believe that you're building content and you don't look at the reward structure logistics and say to yourself, man, this just looks very unrewarding. Like, how... Going forward, if there's any other content dropping in like The Reckoning, I don't want to hear anybody say anything about parallel development. I'd be like, no, that's BS. This content sucks and they should have known better. If something else drops in the game with the bad and abysmal reward structure of The Reckoning, there is no excuse for that going forward. This game and franchise has been out for far too long for that to ever happen again. That was a joke. Again, I give them a light pass. A light pass parallel development maybe you thought the intentionality over the armor was enough in reckoning Eh, okay but your question makes it sound like they can build an entire reward structure and piece of content let us test it out provide feedback and then tweak it oh why think why can't they do that internally again when you're up against the deadline wall the quality team the quality assurance team isn't there to be like we think the reward structure is too weak they're there to be like, yeah, it works. There's no bugs or glitches. I don't fall through the floor. The quest the quest steps all work. Evil the Waffler. Have you seen the new Void rocket launcher look similar to Galley? Do you think they would bring back Galley but change it? No, I don't think they would do that. Cruxley. With us being so close to 1,000 power, why do you think they are raising everyone to 750 instead of refactoring? Um, because they probably thought, you know what? We have enough room here to work. We can take people up into the mid 900s. If season, if the winter season, if the winter, spring and and summer seasons do not raise power, but you only level up the artifact, then they've kind of put themselves into a nice little flexibility spot. And it's just a number. So as, as Finn is saying, it's just a number resetting us and taking our power away. People don't like that. 
So they're taking a different approach to kind of like leveling the play of the playing field. You know, they're just leveling the playing field. We're all starting over, but they're not taking your power away. Ave Cope. Do you think Bungie will be willing to abandon their peer-to-peer system, which they've been using since Halo 2, in favor of dedicated servers to overcome some of these uh, content obstacles? Well, I don't think they're opposed to dedicated servers. I don't think they're, like, internally, you know, principled against it. Like, we're not doing dedicated servers. In fact, there was an interview... There was an interview at the world premiere of Destiny 2 where they seemed to indicate there are... There were technical limitations the way that destiny 2 has been built the architecture won't interface with it won't interface with dedicated servers so they have to rebuild the game it's essentially the engine the way they have built destiny 2 they can't just go in and say all right turn on dedicated servers guys you know we've we've gotten enough uh we've gotten enough negative feedback uh from people let's turn on deddies it it, it isn't it isn't that simple they they would have to basically rebuild the entire game and that I think is a possibility way out in the distant future for Destiny 3 but that's not something they can do now you owe me one, I don't know, I'm not sure how to say that I might have missed it but when did they say year one weapons are, are coming back with random rolls they didn't I think we were all just assuming that I was just assuming that if I go to Devrim K and I start grinding for the EDZ armor set to be 2.0, that you were also going to update his pool of guns like Call to Serve Old Fashioned Lincoln Green and the Scathlock and give him random, give him random rolls. It can't be that hard. Okay, it can't be that hard to go in here to collections. Okay, you go to weapons and let's just look at the Scathlock. Okay. Scathlock is a 600 RPM adaptive frame auto rifle. Okay, adaptive frame 600 RPM. So it's an Ether Doctor, 600 RPM adaptive frame. So how difficult is it to take the rolls potential to the Ether Doctor and just slap it in the Scathlock so that when you grind for a Scathlock, you're getting those potential rolls? Like what? that that I don't think I'm dreaming up some ridiculous wish here an adaptive frame the old-fashioned is a 140 adaptive frame hand cannon okay a 140 adaptive frame hand cannon is the better devils so why can't you just take the potential random rolls of a better devil since they brought the better devils forward with random rolls and just slap that in the old-fashioned pool now they could on some of these weapons add random you know random extra perks or something to make them more appealing but it's like i don't i don't i don't buy that i really don't buy that a one the 150 dire promise the dire promise is a 150 lightweight and the midnight is the midnight coup midnight coup is also a 150 lightweight so we got two 150 lightweights I mean, I don't even know if there are any 150... Are there any 150 lightweights at all? I think those are... Did they bring forward any 150 lightweights? I don't know if they did. There's the rows, but the rows can't roll random. Oh, the spare rations. Spare rations can roll 150 lightweight. Is that one of the reasons people like it so much? Yeah, here we go. 150 lightweight. There you go. All you do is take the potential perk pool here and copy pasta that on the Midnight Coup and the Dire Promise. 
you see what I'm saying? I don't work for Bungie, and I never want to make it seem like it's really easy to do their job, but it's really, it's going to be really difficult for me to look at all those weapons and think to myself, you overhauled the entire armor system. Where's the weapon team? What are they doing then? What the frick are they doing if you didn't do anything to the weapons? If all you did was introduce some new weapons with some, maybe a couple of new perks, what it... What did you? What? Have, what's the weapon team been doing then? I would think between the last time the weapon teams was working on something new and now, they could have gone in and said, "Comb over the entire year one pool, copy pasta archetype like the archetypal perk pool, and drop it in there." Collections may be a problem. I, I may, may, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, it's gonna be an enormous bummer. If they didn't do anything to all those weapons, it's going to be an enormous bummer. Leave the old in the past? (laughs) Completely disagree with you. Completely disagree with you. There is so many armor sets and so many weapons in this game that got put into the game at the worst time. Year one was terrible. Bringing back Uriel's Gift, and if they make scouts better, you know, Nameless Midnight, and the, the Manananan. I mean, there's so many weapons from year one. It, it, put random rolls on the duty bound. That's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a nightfall weapon. You know, put random rolls on the Galliard and the, and the Jiangxi and all these cool weapons that look different and add. Because you could be like, well, Lono, what's the point? Lono, what's the point? If I'm going to, why would you grind for an old-fashioned 140 adaptive frame when you can just get a just use your god roll better devils that you got because it looks cool and sounds cool and it feels better to use it i don't know like everybody running around with different weapons even if our roles are similar at least we're all running around with some intentionality that's what the armor system is going to look like if we're honest if you fast forward two months after Shadowkeep, there's going to be people, people running around in armor sets from IO, Escalation Protocol, Braytech, the old raids, the new raids. Like, you know what I'm saying? There's going to be people running around with all these different armor sets built exactly how they want. And if the weapon system went into a very, very similar vein of at least the old stuff gets random rolls, that would at least be a step in the right direction. I just... If all we're doing is shuffling into old content for armor sets and none of the old weapons matter at all, that's going to be an enormous bummer. And then I'm running the new content and I'm chasing the new guns. At the very least, then the new guns better have some really, really dope perk possibilities. Because if I'm running Nightmare Hunt or if I'm running the new raid, there better be some freaking baller weapons in there or I'm going to be massively disappointed. Because it's a shooter for crying out loud. It's the most satisfying shooter in existence. We need better guns. One of the most qu- the quickest way to influence somebody's experience in this game is to give them an awesome weapon. And it feels different. Hand somebody, introduce your friend to the game. If you have a friend that likes a shooter, hand them a weapon that's garbage. Some garbage, slow-firing, slow-reloading blue hand cannon. And then hand them a god-roll Ostringer. And ask, like, watch their face light up. Guns are immediately influencing over your experience and your immersion and what the game feels like and how much you enjoy it. It's so it's it, it's such a quick transmission of of value when you get a really nice weapon. That's why I always loved grenade launchers. I love the way they look. I love the way they sound. I love that clung clung clung. Like there's just something cool about grenade launchers. That's why I was thrilled when they got great treatment and they, and there was a reason to start running them. Same thing with fusion rifles and trace rifles. They're really, really fun to use. They make me feel cool. 
Mr. Works, do you think this new artifact and mod system will create builds so strong that Destiny's gunplay becomes obsolete? I d- don't think so, because again, after the rant I just went on, right, the core experience in this game, guns just feel awesome. There could be some builds where you don't shoot that often, as I outlined, you know, the Genji build for a hunter, but still, I think guns are the centerpiece. RN Jesus. If you were to close the dungeon, where would you put the quest ending for Wishender? I don't know. Uh, it's Flux. How can they run out of space? Is it because the game engine or what? I'm not that technical. There's a couple of reasons. Yeah, game engines can become... Game engines and game files can become unstable when they have tons, tons of things that they've got to draw and call and pull up. There's also technical limitations on the old consoles. Yes. Rick James. With them likely removing content on a seasonal basis, how do you think they can change badges in the future? Making badges unobtainable after the season or make them not dependent upon seasonal content? Yeah, titles and badges and stuff would need to be able to be obtained outside of the season in some way. Um, Not forgotten. What if D2 returned diminishing effect supers for Fireteam? Example, well of Radiance with two inside keeps health stronger than with five inside. That's too difficult to measure. I like the changes that they've made. That's not how you do it. This is too difficult to measure. No, no, dude, get out of here. It's more effective if you don't come stand in our well. No. Right now they're saying that you can have a buff on your character from something like Weapons of Light. You can have a buff, uh, a debuff on the enemy, one debuff on the enemy, one buff on your character, and then your weapon can have its buff active like Rampage. That's so much easier to legislate. Like, okay, everything that's in the buff category, whether it's weapons of light or a well or an empowering rift, how strong do we want this buff to be? It's way easier to, to like, that's just the foundation that you interact with. It's a whole lot harder to say, well, if five people step in, four people, three people, it's going to scale down and you're going to get diminishing returns. And so then as you're strategizing, you've really got to watch when somebody steps in, like, how much damage am I getting? That That's just way too complicated. They've created three lanes character buff debuff on a debuff on an enemy and then a buff on your weapon like rampage that's it that's the only three lanes they have to tweak and make sure they don't step out and make them too strong uh ig for ready by the way if you're here and you've never been here before and you've been enjoying this content all the new destiny news all the new discussion this is kind of like an interactive podcast i do this pretty much every day we take a topic i do a 10 minute talk and then we do q a uh if you're enjoying yourself and you like listening and lurking a free and easy way to support me is to click the follow button that's a little heart button that'll make sure you don't miss out on the daily content i stream every single day thank you ghm for the brand new twitch prime sub also if you want ad free viewing on my channel all you got to do is sub if you have twitch prime like the person that just used theirs you can get ad free viewing on my channel another prime sub coming in from archimonk thank you welcome also i'll be updating my emotes with borderlands psycho masks if you're big fans of borderlands we're going to be doing that for you uh, as a sub another prime sub coming in from veptix thank you guys so much for the prime subs i greatly appreciate it ad free viewing uh it makes it easier to watch the channel i know ads have gotten a little kind of wild on twitch and i'm trying to help ease that pain um also if you're a fan of Borderlands, use my code if you're ordering it through the Epic Store. We finally got a code. In uh, uh, IG4 Ready says, if you were to take a good guess, how long do you think the story campaign will be and how many strikes do you think we'll, we'll get? Well, we saw one on... We saw one strike on the moon map and then there there's a rumor there's three. I don't know. How long the campaign will take? A couple of hours. It's not really the focus anymore of the content. 
big campaign injections are just not the thing they're focusing on. A prime reeb sub from Fire Lord. Thank you. That's a blue badge. Welcome. <clears throat> so I, I don't think campaign is going to be that long. And number of strikes, a, a couple, two, maybe three. I would say two. PX, PS4 exclusive strike. <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. No more console exclusives. So suck it, Sony. SMH. And yeah, I feel really good about that. SMH says, not sure if this has been asked already, but do we know if they're updating year one weapons with random rolls? We just talked about it a lot. Uh, We don't know. We're hoping so. Hollywood's Row. With Menagerie showing that matchmaking with objectives works well, will we ever see a basic nightfall with matchmaking? If they don't bring... If they don't bring matchmaking to nightfalls I, I, I don't know why why would you hold back nightfalls are arguably way easier and they're not really failable than menagerie but what about the the night the nightfall card lono if you go into match made nightfall it just pulls the modifiers from the strikes there's already modifiers on the strikes if you do a match made nightfall it just pulls them if you're wanting to use the card and go for the high score send messages to the people that you just played with and ask them if they want to go for a high score and then the host gets to set up the card for to try to go for a high score i don't matchmaking for nightfalls like what are we doing let people match make into a nightfall for frick's sake mizuki blue how would you feel about god tier weapons being locked behind raids i feel great they haven't done it in a long time uh, right now there's really no reason to run a raid for great gear weapons like swarm recluse yeah raid loot pools have been a joke the entire life of destiny 2 they're a joke you have 1k voices in anarchy those are exotics so they kind of don't count they're raid exotics but they still don't count uh the raid loot pool it's a joke it's like they looked at King's Fall and they said, hey, do you guys remember when the raid loot wasn't that exciting? It looked really cool, but it wasn't exciting and it, it had it had weapons that were in the game that were a lot whole easier to obtain. And do you remember how that made the raid gear like really, really unappealing and people were running like the hung jury and other weapons instead of running raid weapons? Yeah, we remember that. We should do that again for virtually every raid weapon we make, except for like the midnight coup. Like I the the, the weapon philosophy for raids in destiny 2 it i don't understand what happened i don't it makes no sense where's the genesis chain where's the the ex mechanica or whatever that sniper rifle was called where's the where's the chaos dogma where are those weapons that had unique perks that you couldn't get anywhere else where are they what the heck is going on and then you gave the ex machina the ex machina I always thought it was the Mechanica, the Ex Machina. Where, yeah, where's the Fatebringer? What's going on? We don't want people that can't run raids to feel like they're missing out. Well, good job then, because you just de-incentivize some of your best content. You, you, you make, I go off on this rant at least once a week. You make some of the best content in Destiny, experientially, graphically, like the scope the scenes they're amazing they're awesome they're awesome last wish is a work of freaking art scourge is like a nice little hat tip to wrath of the machine crown of sorrow is so cool it's such a cool environment and then you're like this content's great what should we do with the loot i just throw some junk in there who the frick cares like it doesn't it's, it's so weird it's so weird it makes no sense it does 
It's like buying a really, really nice car. Like, imagine going and buying, like, a, a Ferrari. Like, look at this thing. Oh, my gosh, it's beautiful. And then you get inside, and you're like, why does it have the interior of a Ford Taurus? What the frick is this? Oh, it even kind of smells bad. What the heck is going on? That's what it's like. You have these immaculately built, beautiful environments and cool encounters, and you're like, yeah, just put a bunch of basic junk in there. Who the frick cares? There's like one or two standouts out of how many raids? Leviathan, two raid layers, and then you got Last Wish, Scourge. There's what, six? Six raid encounter invite. There's six raids. If you want to count the layers as raids, there's six raids in Destiny 2, and there's like maybe two, maybe three guns worth writing home about. The Midnight Coup, and then some of the roles you can get on the shotgun and crown, and then what? The threat level. But the threat level has its equal in the Icolos. Like, what's happening? What is going on? Hey, Nation of Beasts. Nation of Beasts is there's no wow factor. There's no wow factor on the Nation of Beasts. And I already mentioned the exotics. You don't get to claim the exotics. Think of how many loot pools are in six raids. Let's ignore the raid layers. Let's chop it down to five. If you combine the two raid layers with the Leviathan, there's basically five raids, five raid loot pools, right? There's like nothing. Nation of Beasts is not that great. Number one, it's an energy primary, which limits your loadout, and you lose you lose critical damage multiplier because it's not a kinetic. Popping shields is not that great. Dragonfly is not that great. It's pretty good. Right. Like, do you hear the phrasing in the way we have to talk about raid loot? Yeah, Nation's... It's pretty good. It's not bad. You know, it's not bad. It it should be like, bro, this gun's nuts. Oh my gosh, they added this new perk. Oh, there's this extra slot. There's this thing. Dude, come on. It doesn't, no. There's five, there's roughly five raid loot pools in Destiny 2, and you can barely add up five weapons that matter. And you can't count exotics. That, that, of course an exotic's good. It's an exotic. 1K voices and anarchy better be good. The Taraba's not good. So, like, even once you start mentioning exotics, it starts to get messy. And listen, they don't even have to be mind-blowing. Genesis Chain wasn't mind-blowing, but it was unique. Chaos, Dogma, and what was the other one? There was the other... The, the, what was the pulse rifle called? It was actually pretty good. Uh, the Hake Pulse Rifle from Wrath. Coup, the inaugural, eh. Supremacy Nation, eh. Threat level curated, Crown of Sorrow Shoddy, nothing else I can even think about. So, like, e- like one of, one of the top performing players that we would consider to be like somebody that really thinks about weaponry, right? Chevy's saying one, two, three, four, five. Five. And he went, eh, to a couple of them. Sins of the Past? Yeah, but Sins of the Past got hurt by grenades getting hurt. Yeah, Steel Medulla, thank you. Steel Medulla. The Steel Medulla, Chaos Dogma, and the Genesis Chain were not mind-blowing, but they were at least unique. Even the sidearm, fusion, and hand cannon from Wrath, at least they were unique, even if you didn't like them. Even if you didn't like them, they were unique. They did something that other weapons in the game couldn't do. It's a... It's a, it's a you're, th- this rant happens once a week, man. The raid gear just needs a lot of help. We need mountaintop recluse-like weapons in PvE. Right. There should be a mountaintop equivalent in a raid. There should be a recluse equivalent in a raid. There should be a... Even the... Even the... 
even the desperado gun the uh the broadsword there should be something like that in the raid the breakneck the the wendigo like these are all pinnacle weapons that can do really cool things and like you go into the raid and you're like i can get an auto rifle and it just has a bunch of basic perks on it what the frick why a shotgun basic perks why why Genesis Chain had something on it you couldn't get anywhere else. That's how raids should work. It's aspirational content, it's endgame content, and an action MMORPG. You are actually, you are objectively wrong if you think that aspirational content in an action MMORPG should not have unique powerful gear in it. You're literally wrong. That's just the way these games are built. There's no MMORPG in existence that doesn't structure it that way. You shouldn't be able to go on patrol or the tower and get a weapon that's equal to a raid weapon. That's just backwards. That doesn't make any sense. You de-incentivize and demotivate some of the best, most challenging content in the game. It's 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 it is arguably stupid. It's stupid. It's stupid. It's illogical. Here's some really hard content, man. No matchmaking. Six-man team, mechanically heavy. Gotta have a lot of synergy. Fail rate's pretty high the first couple of weeks. Uh, what can we get in there? Uh, just a bunch of basic crap. Oh, thanks. <laughs> like, what? It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Sunfire, do you think that with all the difficulty options they're giving us to do, do you think they could make it to where you earn ornaments at the highest difficulty and curated roles? This is a great segue from what we were just talking about. If I'm going to go run Nightmare Hunt, there is Adept Hero Legend, right? Adept Hero Legend. And they go up uh, 860, 920, 950. If I'm going to go all the way up to 950, if I'm turning the volume knob up to 11, you got to have a loot incentive attached to that. And I don't know if ornaments are good enough. Now, you're saying curated roles. I would agree with that. And you know what I would throw in there? If I'm going into aspirational pinnacle content in Shadowkeep, I think the stats should trend higher. So you know when you look at a piece of armor in the new system, and it has all the different stat bars, and then it says stat total at the bottom, I think stat total should trend higher on aspirational pinnacle content so if you get a role that's not quite what you want your consolation is that well the stat payout's higher so this is still a good piece of gear because luke smith said you can get there's a max on intellect you can get to 100 intellect and that's as high as you can go he said you can get to 100 intellect without mods just from armor rolls I'm telling you, stat payout on armor rolls should be better in pinnacle aspirational content. 100% that's how it should work. If you can just plug resources into Devrim K and get god tier armor that gets you to 100 intellect, and I have a harder time doing that in a raid because the actual turnover of gear is slower and the stats don't trend higher, that's a broken hierarchy of loot delivery. That doesn't even make any sense. Like, the, the content's harder and the loot delivery is lower interval and you're, like, you like that just doesn't make any sense. I'm not gonna... There was uh, a really good... There was a really good Reddit post. This is when Anthem's loot system was getting a lot of criticism and there was a guy from the loot 2.0 system in Diablo 3 commented and he said, you've got to protect players from themselves because they'll take the path of least resistance and then that's all they'll do. And then they'll just get everything that's great. Same thing here. If you could just basically go to Path of Least Resistance public events and just churn over armor over and over again and get god roll armor, great stats, god tier stats, god build, 
that undercuts aspirational content significantly. And this is directly related to the conversation that we just had about weapons. There's got to be a push into that content and a reward that makes sense of that content. I've said it before, the carrot has to justify the journey. The carrot must justify the journey. You're never, ever, ever going to go into the harder content. Oh, but for the satisfaction of running it. Oh, shut the frick up. It's a loot-based game. That's not good enough. You sound like somebody's grandpa. Like, that's not a good enough reason to run aspirational content. Well, it's just for the enjoyment. Give me a freaking break. If I'm going to grit my teeth and push through something that's really hard, you better give me a reward for it. Like, that's just the way these games work. That's why they're so addicting. You put in time, you get something out. So there's always this transmission of value. You play for an hour or two, and you feel like, I got something for my time. There's a very, very clear transmission of value. That's why the leveling needs to be overhauled. Because it's like, I put in two hours, and I didn't get any of the drops I needed, so I literally wasted my time. That's why games like this are so addicting. That's why the leveling has frustrated players so much, and I'm glad they're looking at it. That's why aspirational content engagement has to be unbelievably low. It used to be that only select pieces could get enhancement perks, the raid being one. I hope the raid gives us reasons to run it. Yeah, I'm telling you, endgame aspirational engagement numbers have got to be really poor because of that. Heroic Menagerie and all of the raids because people just run out of steam. Number one, the the, the exotic grind's got to be just mind-numbingly frustrating. I never got the anarchy and I just stopped. And I actually, I actually enjoyed... I enjoyed Scourge, and I just got sick of it, because it's like, the loot in here sucks, and I just want the anarchy. Um, that's not a good enough reason. There's gotta be more. There has to be more. You guys got me on my soapbox about raid gear. I don't want to stay here. We gotta move on. There's more questions. King Godsu, big fan, watching on YouTube, wanted to ask a question for a long time. Do you think if Bungie adds PvP power as a stat, they can balance PvP and PvE for both sides? I don't know quite what you mean by if they add PvP power as a stat. Oh, as a stat. Oh, yee. Why would we do that? I I think what they can do is, like what Luke Smith said, there's going to be less payout on supers in PvP, so super rhythm slows down because it's absurd right now, especially with super mods. And since they're capping intellect at 100, all you people that think you're going to game the system with your your stack super mods, it ain't going to work. <laughs> it ain't going to work because intellect's capped at 100, so you can only get your super back so fast. They're reining you in. Okay? And, you know, heavy was the other thing they're addressing. I don't think they want to, like, add a power stat to you like you're so strong in pvp that's not really what they want to do you're asking them to add another system to help balance the current systems i don't think that's i I think you're throwing a chainsaw to somebody who's already juggling a couple of chainsaws like i don't think that's gonna be gonna be helpful hollywood's row public public ptr ruins the mystery and the newness of new things but could bungie use more community members under nda to test activities during development they have a lot of people internally who are testing things, and then they're going to be t- testing 3v3 and Crucible Labs. Look, here's the thing you just got to accept, okay? I-, I appreciate the idea of let's have a symbiotic relationship. We can test things and really inform Bungie. Here's the problem with that. Logistically speaking, the only way you're really going to know that something sucks as far as reward structure, you'd have to have people coming in and, and playing absurd amounts of hours and 
going the distance with the content. That means the content's ready and designed. And at that point, I want to ask you something. Do you think if they would have brought people in during Black Armory and said, hey, how you doing? We're going to let you play a ton of hours. We really want to see what you think about the reward structure of Reckoning. Do you think, in light of everything we read in Luke Smith's thing, that if on the other side of that testing group, people were like, it sucks, the reward structure is terrible, I would not play this content. Oh, thank you. And they fill out their little clipboard. They're not going to be able to fix that before Reckoning gets delivered. Now, that might put ahead, that might put them a little bit ahead of the eight ball on, like, Venagerie or Shadowkeep. But you're talking about a significant infrastructure of input to bring people in to basically say, thanks, it sucks, cool, we're not going to be able to fix this in time. Because the content has to be fleshed out and the logistical reward structures have to be fleshed out enough to even test that, which means you're really close to shipping it. Does, does that make sense? Like they'd have to build that whole thing with reckoning, the whole structure, the whole the whole thing, and then it's it's basically at that point very much ready to ship, and then they get negative feedback from this from this this internal thing that you're you're thinking they could do, that they wouldn't be able to fix it in time. Listen, I wasn't I wasn't salty about all the the all of the uh, they started calling them summits. Like every time they brought people in to to play test which they're capture events. They're bringing you in to play the content early so you can make YouTube videos. But they started calling all their capture events community summits. And I just started telling people, look, if you think they're flying these people out and they're getting feedback a month or two before the content comes out, if you think they're going to completely overhaul the content, then you're dreaming. Because Reckoning didn't get fixed, and I guarantee you there are people that went there and said the reward structure doesn't seem that great uh, we, it seems like we have to lean on supers a lot, uh, it doesn't seem like that great of content, there had to be people that went to a capture event for Reckoning and gave feedback on it and were like, bleh, I don't nah, this ain't for me like, I, then, then, then Reckoning still landed and it was still a mess, so they already kind of do what you're saying. They already bring people in and sign NDAs and play stuff early. And it has no immediacy of, a, of an effect on the content when it rolls out. Just because it's, 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 a, it's a time crunch thing more than anything. It's high noon. Is Bungie still under Activision when we'll sh- uh, or will be when Shadowkeep drops? No. If you load up the, the Blizzard launcher, it even says published by... Bungie. Activision's completely out of the picture at this point. Hollywood's Row. Would it break the game to see planetary weapons do extra damage against enemies on a specific planet? It would give us more of an incentive to change our loadout more often. I've outlined this idea numerous times where you could have a full armor set and weapons on the EDZ that get benefits while you're on the EDZ. We're not going in that direction. The amount of time that they're they're, the amount of time that they're that they're putting into like you getting a full set and getting a loadout, you wouldn't be able to do this for every planet. It would be absurd and it wouldn't be worth it, right? For marginal payouts, you know. Crat Co says they're not going to bite the hand that feeds that. Come on, that feeds them. Come on, Lono. You're freaking high if you don't think the people that have gone to the capture events have not given criticism because they have. Like I don't like you're not you're not doing it in a really harsh way, but I really don't appreciate you intimating that like friends of mine and peers of mine who are very critical of the game, they go out to Bungie and they just, oh, it's all great! It's awesome! No criticism. That's bullcrap. That's not true. Many of the people that go regularly to Bungie also regularly criticize the game. So, that, 
narrative you're trying to push out is completely and utterly false. The content creators that go to capture events are not a bunch of yes men, false positivity idiots. They give great criticism. They regularly make videos giving criticism. How many times has Dado gone to an event? Have you watched his videos on Gambit or The Reckoning? Like, come on. X Degatha. I know this is not related and I'm sorry, but I had to tell you that I've been watching you every day for the past month and I don't know how to explain it, but your company and your opinions, not Destiny related, and the way you see the world has helped me fight my depression. I just wanted to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Much love. I just, I'm glad that what I'm doing can help you. Um, so... I appreciate the compliment and you know if you're dealing with depression don't lean on my stream or anybody's stream if you can get actual professional help I would very much encourage you to do that uh, don't lean on streamers and content creators to be your form of medication that can be actually kind of dangerous so if I help you stabilize and get through stuff great but I would strongly suggest uh, you get help professionally if you feel that it's something that you can't handle on your own, because I'm not always going to be able to stream, and there might be days that are harder than others, so we have resources in the chat right now for people that deal with suicidal thoughts or depression thoughts, things of that nature. I know there's like a big mental health enthusiast kick right now, and a lot of content creators are establishing their brand and their revenue streams around talking about mental health. I think it is reckless and dangerous to talk about mental health when you are not certified or don't have an education in it. You're not a professional and you can't do like like patient history. Um, that's very, very dangerous. And someone in your position should never lean on my stream or anybody's stream as, as a form of like mental health medication. If this is a place for you to feel like you can kind of exist in a healthy way and be stable, great. But there are there are doctors to do surgery on your heart and there are professionals to help you with mental issues. Don't lean on streamers and content creators for that. I've seen tons of terrible, reckless, awful advice from people who are mental health enthusiasts because they're not educated. I actually am educated in the realm of psychology and counseling, uh, and I've seen lots of very, very reckless and awful advice given from people who are very passionate about mental health. Uh, Tacos Locos. What do you think about the state of competitive play? Heard you talking about peer-to-peer versus dedicated servers, which would create a far more competitive setting. But what do you think about supers and meta builds? Uh, what would you do? What, what what would you think about a competitive game mode without supers? Thinking more broadly about the current state of esports, Fortnite, CS:GO, Overwatch. Number one, they should never take Destiny's PvP down a pathway that removes supers and space magic. Okay, no way. They shouldn't do that. That's not Destiny. If you want to play a stripped-down shooter, go play a stripped-down shooter. Go play Halo, okay? And I mean that with love. I'm not trying to say, go play another game, get the freak out. Like, I mean that with love. You Did I skip a question? I'm sorry, I'll go back. I'll go back. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to skip a question. Um, that, that, that That's not going to happen. It is, it is, it is not going to happen, okay? And, and also, to the person with depression, I forgot to say this. I've been seeing a therapist for a year and a half. Mental health is extremely important. And I am a different person than I was a year and a half ago. It has massively helped me. My wife and I now go and see the therapist together to work through things in our marriage. It is significantly helpful. There's no shame in getting help. It is a sign of strength and resilience and self-awareness to go get to go get help. Even if you look at me like, oh, he's happy. He's a streamer. What a great life. No, I'm still going. And I'm, and I'm a huge proponent of going and seeing somebody if you need to see somebody. Um, so... 
Space Magic will always be present in Destiny. It would be great to get to a place where there were dedicated servers, so like tick rate and things like that could be more more uh, crisp, less trades, things like that. Um, you know, you don't really have trades in Fortnite because it's dedicated servers. I mean, unless, of course, you're like both shooting snipers at the same time because there's bullet travel time. But, uh, you know, hit scan in a game like Fortnite when ping is good and it's dedicated servers, like there's no trading. Um, again, unless there's bullet travel time because the hit scan weapons, if I shoot before you do, then I win. You know, you're not trading in shotgun fights in, in Fortnite. It doesn't happen because there's a whole tick rate technology thing going on there that Bungie can't pull off because of peer to peer. So, what I want for the PvP crowd is a good, healthy meta, but I don't want stripped-down, neutered, competitive, no supers, no space magic meta, and dedicated servers is also a huge thing that we want. That's probably not going to happen until the next Destiny, if they even do that. So, H22 Accord. Kind of off-topic, with Luke Smith saying four-person fire teams are out of place in Destiny, do you think whatever Gambit turns into will be trimmed down to a three-person fire team? Oh. I hadn't thought of... I hadn't thought about yeah maybe maybe but the armor sets would get all jacked up then wouldn't they and the rolls they came up with I don't really care about that the armor sets are kind of broken anyway in Gambit Prime Um, yeah this is a good question that might help with some of the weird imbalances with invasion and stuff I don't know we'd have to think about this Reckoning 2 oh yeah Reckoning 2 Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They may be retooling Reckoning because I know they're revisiting Reckoning and making it a little bit easier and they may tone it down to three. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see what they do. This is a good question. I don't have a good answer for you. I, I try to have good answers for every question, but I don't have a good one for you other than a, like a shrug shoulder. Yeah, maybe they might. Uh, the Dry Life. Do you think Guided Games will be removed or are they still viable? Get Guided Games the frick out of the game and add in-game LFG. It requires a mic. Put some Put some things in front of people. That they got to go through before they can use LFG. In-game LFG. Nephil, Nephilim. Do you think that raid should drop from certain parts of the raid like D1? Oh, I'm sorry. Do you think raid items should drop from certain places in the raid? Like in D1, example, Fatebringer only drops from Templar. I want them to do this, and then I want them to bring back the optional uh, chest. Okay, apparently Lars Bakken on Twitter said Gambit will stay four-player for the foreseeable future. Thank you, Havoc Maker. Okay, that's an answer. Lars is Lars is uh, he oversees a lot of that stuff. Um, one v one Gambit win. Yeah. I love the idea of knowing. Okay, in this encounter, I can get this weapon and this piece of armor, and then also there's an optional chest I can open from an internal currency. I would love to bring both of those things back. I would also love for them to let you run the raid more than three times for non-powerful drops so you could grind for the thing that you want. Especially now that it's a stat roll system with the armor, what difference does it make if I get 18 gauntlets in a week because I'm grinding like a freaking madman? I'm grinding for stats, and they're non-powerful drops. That's up to me. That's my choice. Um, If the difference between raid armor and non-raid armor is is not that is not that different it's just the stat rolls then what difference does it make it only matters if it's a powerful drop now the gun sure but again if you bring in the internal economy that lets me create a key to open that chest and you limit that currency so that you know maybe i get my three runs in and then after that i can only ever get one weapon per run that's still a reason for hardcore people to go in every you know keep rerunning the raid well wouldn't they just grind that encounter no you'd have to run the entire raid to build the key 
and you build that key and then your next pass through you open up the third encounter's extra chest for the shotgun and then you fit and then that raid that you're in you're also building another key so you're always going through the raid and getting that one drop and you're ending with the full key to do it again you're always feeding the next run uh trip hazard do you think it's fair for Bungie to nerf raid weapons like Vex Mythoclass was earned from the hardest content in the game then got nerfed because it was OP? Yeah, it's fair if it's broken. Are you freaking kidding me? Like, if they drop some exotic that's breaking that's breaking the balance of PvP in an absurd way, absurd way, I, then it needs to be addressed. They can't be like, oh, frick, this thing's really overpowered. Well, it's a raid weapon. It's in there for forever. Sorry, guys. Like, that's they can't do that. Uh... JD Gamer says, Hey Lono, do you think Bungie is going to add a lot of loot from Vogue? Oh, I never went back to SMG's question. Did I actually skip SMG's question? I No, I didn't. Curse Kane with 33 months. Thank you so much, Curse Kane, for getting close to three years of subs. I did miss your uh, your question. Do you think Bungie's just going to add a lot of old loot from Vogue that looks like it from the new raid, or do you think it's going to be a good thing for new raid loot? It doesn't look like Vogue gear to me. Oh, there was a question about Borderlands that got skipped. Oh, it probably got deleted. I scrolled past it. Am I... SMG has a question in here? I literally am not seeing SMG's question. I saw SMH's question. There is no question from SMG in here. You guys are freaking debating me. Um, I didn't see loot that looked like Vogue. Um, I saw loot that looked like Osiris gear. We looked and compared. The loot that we're seeing covered in the grass looks like Osiris gear. So, Sunfire, we're moving on. I'm not. I'm. I'm not. I'm not going back. Uh, just put it in the chat if it's from Dreams, and I'll try to address it in chat. Sunfire says, "Do you think we could get an exotic raid weapon where it's a quest like Touch of Malice? Either that, or have some form of protection away after so many completions, you just can get the quest. Because people that never got 1k or Anarchy, well, that would have been a nice backstop save. Uh, Evil the Waffle, I know they need to change Reckoning. Any thoughts on what needs to change since we get less super, might need to be weaker? Well, they would need to lower the amount of ads that show up, lower their health pools, um, all kinds of things. The modifiers need to be less punishing. A whole bunch of stuff would need to happen. Phoenix, Huck, do you think that comp playlist changes are in part a way to combat carries and recoveries? I don't think that Bungie does anything for that reason. I think they're trying to just make the hoppers and the matchmaking work better, and they're also trying to figure out 3v3 LM. Morecat, Bungie-like seasonal metas, could perks be provided by the artifact also as a way to kind of encourage at least the seasonal metas in PvP? I don't know about a seasonal meta in PvP, but we're definitely seeing that in PvE with the perks on there that were specific to the Nightmare Hunt. Uh, based on impulse. Sorry if this has been asked, but uh, if there is an answer I missed, but with cross-save dropping today, will console players be able to cross-save to Battle.net and then migrate to Steam in October, or we have to wait? No, 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 yeah, you can come over now. You can you can come over now and play. Once cross-save goes live, which may be in the next 13 minutes, I don't know. Dawnglaive, what's your opinion on the current fashion in Destiny? I think D1 had way better looking armor. I still can't believe people think this and say this. The armor was way less intricate, way less showy, way less customization options with shaders. I don't understand. The only time that the raid armor, I'm sorry, the only time armor got really, really dope in D1 was Age of Triumph. Uh, This is subjective, so there's no real reason to go round and round on it. But I think when you look at the armor sets in this game, the intricacies, the little decorative elements, and the ways that you can have, you know, individual pieces, shaders and stuff. I don't know. The ornaments were really good in D1, but... 
they're getting really nice. I mean, the ornaments now with, with Solstice, I think, compete with Age of Triumph ornaments. Nephilim. I hope that the raid exotic will be a kinetic primary like D1. How do you feel about most of D2 raid exotics being heavies? Uh, you know, with two out of three, right? You know, you got Anarchy, 1K Voices, and then the Taravas, the SMG. It doesn't bother me. I mean, I think a lot of that came from the fact that, like, that was during a time when if you were going to run a heavy, it was an exotic because rocket launchers still suck. Grenade launchers are way better. Machine guns were great. Now they're a lot weaker. They suck. They got weight. They did not need to be nerfed. Um, we need legendary heavy options to free us up. But at the time, I forgot about Acreus. Sorry. I serve, I'm sorry. I forgot about Acreus. Um, at the time those weapons were introduced, you were definitely seeing a theme of if you're going to run heavy, it's going to be an exotic. So 1K and Anarchy kind of landed in that lane. Like, that was kind of the goal. That was kind of what they were doing with those items. Once they started freeing us up to not feel that sort of stringent limitation of, dude, if I'm going to run a heavy, it's going to be an exotic. Um, Once they did that, I feel like it definitely helped them introduce the Taraba, but then the Taraba's not very good. So... Dawnglaive, the Vex are the bosses for the new raid. Where's Savathun? I think they're tucking away Savathun. My theory is that Savathun will be the Taken Queen, and that they'll have a DLC September of 2020 called Taken Queen, and that will usher in the final year of Destiny 2. That will usher in the Age of Triumph, Age of Destiny 2, where that season after, after Taken Queen will be all like a repurposing, rehashing of all of Destiny 2, because they'll be shifting to D3. Alaska. Do you have any disappointment that the artifact is entirely based around the mod system instead of how it worked in D1? I don't have any disappointment about something that I haven't interacted with yet. I think it's fine. Wait, wasn't the artifact in D1 just like like, like one thing? It was like one thing. Why would you be disappointed that they're adding more? There's like more on it. There's a lot of things you can do with it that didn't it didn't even exist in in Destiny 1. Okay, here's Dream's question. Recently, some Borderlands 3 devs mentioned that they were surprised that Destiny 2 hasn't borrowed much from Borderlands. Given the conversation about weapons being somewhat uninspired at times, do you think the Destiny 2 team can and should be learning more from Borderlands and weapons diversity and creativity seen in the game? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Because I... Listen... Even if, let's imagine that they add a bunch of new perks, and so there's a hand cannon that you're going for, and it's you're not going for Outlaw Rampage, okay? You're not going for Outlaw Rampage. You're going for some weird, wild build that's kind of crazy. If the, if, the, if the efficiency on the weapon is basically the same, but I'm still having fun, then that's all that really matters. That's what we've always t- talked about. Right now, I want you to imagine the best primaries that you use, whether it's a pulse rifle, a hand cannon, or the recluse, okay? And they're really, really good. There's a ceiling on how good they are because there's only so, there's only, you can only kill trash ads so fast. You can only cut through them so quickly. Even when you go into harder content, there's just a certain ceiling on, I'm double tapping all of the red bars with my really, 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 really strong, you know, primary, okay? And as long as they can work within that spectrum and they introduce new primaries with a bunch of crazy different perks and variety like Borderlands, and as if my gun is still functioning at that level of efficiency, then that's all that matters. You know? 
That's all that matters. My cousin Vinny, are fire team medallions considered pay to win? No. People are people are really using pay to win in a one size fits all app like gross misapplication lately. They talk about how, oh, well, the DLC Shadow Keep's gonna give you an artifact and new weapons that are gonna be stronger and better than old weapons. That's pay to win. No. No. And if you think that, you're insane. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, oh, I can get a fire team medallion and get a little bit of extra XP or, you know, bright dust or whatever. That's not that's not pay to win. I just think a lot of people are looking at the the, the Eververse and like anything that you buy in there. It's pure vanity, and this and the very very minimal amount that you have to use to buy the the medallions, you're getting a regular injection anyway of bright dust. So, I don't, you know what I mean? I don't think so. So, um, but the, you guys are submitting questions that aren't real questions now, and I, it's a little disappointing to see like long standing members doing it. I'm not answering joke questions. So I'll take this one more question here from Little Tapier. I don't know why it didn't get submitted. It says it's not going to be on the screen. Do you think Destiny 2 is moving towards a game where they keep adding content, seeing as how they come so far since launch with improvements, or do you think they will just make Destiny 3? And if they do make Destiny 3, do you think they will expand upon it? Here's the thing. Destiny 3 is way out in the future. I think right now, their goal is the same thing that Division did with when they were working on Division 1.8. Everything they're working on right now, all the infrastructure and lessons that they're learning, they're coming up with the scaffolding and the systems for Destiny 3. The first question is, can we build better systems for loot investment and adding new content? Yes, we can. Here's great systems for loot investment and adding new content. The second question is, can you make it, can you make that scalable? Can you can, can it be scaled and added upon, right? If it can be scaled upon and added upon, then it's got elasticity for the future expansion of the game. Those are the two things they're trying to figure out right now, okay? Those are the two questions they're trying to figure out right now. So, I just said that we were kind of wrapping on Q&A, so those of you that are getting your last second questions in, I'm going to answer those in just a second. So don't go anywhere. If you've enjoyed this segment and you like the interactive podcast style, I'm going to keep talking. We're going to keep going back and forth, but I'm going to do an outro for the podcast people that listen in other places. If you're listening on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can probably catch me live right now. Click the link below. As always, please like, share, and subscribe.